This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning again. Good to see all of you here. We're going to minister the Word of God to you. If you need a Bible, won't you get your hand up? Our ushers would gladly put a Bible in your hand. I'm glad you're here. Uh, You're in for a treat today just because the Word of God will minister to your heart. So, once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of James chapter 1. Again, remember this, the Word of God never changes. And the Word of God is not outdated. You know, we, we sing a song that we talk about that we're no longer slaves to fear, but in Romans 6, 6, it says, I'm no longer a slave to sin. And so God will help us in those areas when we'll listen to him. So again, if you were here last week, you're going to James 1. Last week, we, we talked about a word called lust. And the word lust is a desire, an appetite that oftentimes love will masquerade itself as lust. Or lust will masquerade itself as love. And so again, we got to learn all this stuff about it. And so again, we're going to see God's heart on this today. And I believe God will, will minister to you through the Word of God. We begin in the book of James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed. Now, I said this the first service again. I, I, I highlight the word blessed because a lot of times we think blessed just happens. You just accidentally walk into a blessing. You don't accidentally walk into a blessing, okay? Blessings occur because we've made a purpose to live how God wants us to. So watch this passage here, blessed. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now the word temptation means an enticement to evil. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. We're going to go through some temptations. None of us are exempt from that. He goes on to say, For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, when we stand the test, when we, when we persevere under the trial. So, verse, the, the very first verse there is loaded with info. If I want to get to the blessings, I'm going to go through some temptations. Verse number uh, 13. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God doesn't solicit us to sin. One translation says that God is incapable. Now, if you'll note right there, he said he cannot. So if temptation isn't from God, where does it come from? The next verse will tell us precisely. Verse number 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. When I'm drawn away by my own lust is what it really says. And so again, the word of God is very clear on how this starts to take place. So again, every one of us day by day, there's stuff that's going to pull on you to try to draw you near it. He goes on to end that verse and says, and he is enticed. So again, it's by my own desires, my own lust. The word entice means to be baited. So we're baited kind of like a fish. And if we take that bait, then all of a sudden something begins to happen that isn't good. Go on and read with me, verse 15. When desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
When desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now look what he goes on to say. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So literally he's telling me that, that when sin is allowed to grow or to continue, it becomes habitual. And habitual sin, regardless of who we are, he said, leads to death. Now, a lot of times we'll live in sin and we'll think, you know what? I'm still here. I haven't died. But if we were to study in Genesis 2, when God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, God said, listen, you eat of that, that, that fruit, surely you will die. Now, if we study that passage, you find out they ate of the fruit. And a lot of people would say they didn't die, but they did die. They died spiritually, they died emotionally, they died relationally. So when they lived, they lived a death-like existence. This is what he's telling me and you. He's warning you very strong here. And if I'm leading a life that he said will ultimately end in death, I'm not going to walk in the very blessings that he talked about in the very first verse we read. Now he ends with verse 16. Do not be deceived. Do not be thrown off course. Do not be misled. Now look who he addresses this to. My beloved brethren. He's addressing the church. He's addressing believers. And it's a strong warning here. Don't play around with these areas, okay? Don't give in to this. Go to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, as you're turning to Romans, I, I, I cannot be dragged away by my evil or lustful desires. How does that happen with us as humans to be dragged away? Well, we put ourselves in positions or situations that we can't handle. Whether that's through my eyes, whether that's through my actual behaviors, I can't put myself in a position where I'm going to fall. Last week, one of our main words was the word flee. 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 Ask God to grace me to flee. Not to get involved with that stuff. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus Do you know the word condemnation is rooted in shame and guilt? And he said, when you're in Christ Jesus, man, you don't have to walk under that condemnation. He goes on to say, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, there's two options here, and it's very clear with the apostle Paul here. It's like a tug of war that I'm either going to be pulled to my flesh or I'm going to pull to the things of the spirit. Verse 2. Verse 2 is a good verse to pray over yourself. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. You know what he just told me? Jesus has already paid that price. The phrase there has made me free, it means to liberate, to to acquit, to deliver. It is Jesus setting believers at liberty from the dominion of sin. So when it says that he's set me free from the law of sin and death, You can literally put the things in your life that has caused you to live by sin in that and say, I thank you today, Lord Jesus. 
you set me free from sexual lust. You've set me free from this. These are great verses to pray. Same chapter, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh or their sinful nature set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, how did he say it would take place? What I set my mind to. So literally, where the mind goes, the man follows. So when I begin to set my mind on the things of the flesh, that's what I'm going to gravitate toward. That's what I'm going to begin to pursue. Now, if we were to study this in a little more depth, there's a word in the New Testament and the Old Testament called a stronghold. The stronghold can be both positive and it can be both negative. A positive stronghold would be, King David said in Psalm 18 too, he said, the Lord is a stronghold of my life. Every stronghold begins with a thought. But a negative stronghold would be found in 2 Corinthians 10. A negative stronghold would be one that I begin to believe a lie And that lie ultimately becomes a bondage. Now again, this all happens in my mind. So did did we read correctly? He said here in verse 5, the flesh, those who live by the flesh, they set their minds to it. Look at the last part of verse 5. On the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So to help us with that, I've got to transform my mind. How do I transform my mind? I've got to get into the Word of God. You want to change the way you think? Get into the Word of God and allow the Word of God to begin to, to help you in the area of you think. If you only listen to secular books, if you only read the things of this world, you're going to think by this world. If you think by this world, you're going to live in death. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's that's Romans 12 too. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. Get in the word and God will get into you. Let the word of God become my thinking. That was good, Pastor. That was really good. Exceptional. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded. What does the word carnal mean? It means to be fleshly minded or from the flesh or the nature of the flesh. Now listen to what he says. It is death. It becomes a death-like existence. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now if you get what he says, if I'm going to live by my carnal mindset, it's going to lead to death. That's option A. Option B, to be spiritually minded, is life and peace. Now, I could go around here and we could take inventory and I could say, well, what do you want? Well, I would think anybody that has any half sense at all would say, I want life and peace. But if I don't do what the Lord said for me to do, I won't ever get there. So I've got to begin to get in there and get a hold of the things of God. Now, it's a train of thought. You know, our mind is like a a train station. Thoughts coming and going, thoughts coming and going. But you know which destination or where your destiny will end up? With which train you decide to board. 
Life through the Spirit or death through my carnal nature. So every one of us in this room got some choices to make. And if you don't like the way your train's headed, start changing the way you allow things to get in your mind. Let me ask you a question today. How's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? Break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he want to do is ride your back. He'll get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you just like a dirty old hound. Don't listen to the devil. He's a liar. All he wants to do is try and destroy you. Don't treat the thought like it never came. But cast it down in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Now, that was the white version of rapping, okay? Pretty weak. I know. How's your thought life? How's my thought life? What trains am I boarding? Okay. Now, look what he says in verse number 8. So then, those who are in the flesh, who entertain the things of their flesh, cannot, cannot, cannot please God. I cannot. It's if he's saying, it's no possibility that you're going to please God if I continue to live in the flesh. So God's got to help us. God's got to grace us, and he's just asking to say, grace, ask me for my grace, that my grace is sufficient even in all your weaknesses. Now this is where I got to get. So I won't ever live in the blessing or I won't ever live in life and peace when I just stay focused on the things of my flesh. I want you to go to the book of Psalm, the the 101st Psalm. And we're going to shift gears here a little bit. And, And what you'll see in this passage is what happens is the things that I begin to entertain in my thought life, that's what I'll gravitate toward. How does that happen? The very things that I begin to see with my eyes, it gives me a picture in my mind, my mind's eyes. So the illustration again that I believe will help you, and I use these in the first service, that any time a human being, if you start going to car lots and start looking at new cars or used cars, And you start going on the internet, you have your favorite weapon. You know what you're normally going to do? You're going to buy a car. I found this out as men, whether it's with golf clubs or a fishing pole. If you start looking at golf clubs, if you go to Golf USA here in Lubbock, if you go online and you start picking up those clubs and say, wow. That feels good. That's guaranteed to knock off at least 20 strokes. See, I can tell my wife that. Guaranteed, dear. There's a good chance I'm going to buy it. Why? Because I begin to picture things and I begin to gravitate. Again, I got on the men. I hadn't forgot about you ladies. Because you got a hundred pair of shoes in your closet. And you still look at magazines with shoes. And before long, you buy. Here's a poll. How many ladies have more than one purse? Raise your hand. We'll pray for liars. See, every one of us do, or every one of you do. I don't have a purse. 
So again, what happens? You begin to see the very thing we set our minds or our eyes on. We'll usually gravitate toward that. Don't care who we are. Watch what King David says. This is Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. The road of right living. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, when you see that verse right there, he said, I'll walk within my house. You know what the house has to do with? Your public life. Or your private life, I mean. The private life, no one knows what goes on in our home but me. And it's interesting that King David said, I'm going to behave wisely even in my home, even in my private life. Verse 3, I will set nothing wicked, worthless, or vile before my eyes. Nothing. TV, movies. I love how we, we describe movies to our children now. Well, that's an adult movie. That's an adult beverage. Have you ever thought about that? That's an adult TV show. You kids go to bed. You're not old enough to start living in sin. So again, he said, let's set nothing wicked or vile before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away, who turn and run from the right path. And he says, it shall not cling to me. It shall not contaminate me. So we go back and we look at everything. He talks about what takes place in our, in our private life. And then it gets over even and says, if I don't watch the things that my eyes see, then I end up living and going a different direction for, from where I need to be. And he said, I don't want that to contaminate me. So he's warning me and you the possibility of it contaminating us. Oh, not me, pastor. I'm the man of power. I pray and things happen. Turn to 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11. So again, I've got to get to a place... Where, where I train my eyes. I train my thoughts. Now this is a passage of King David. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We begin in verse 1. Now it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Now if you just read that first sentence there. What were kings supposed to do in the spring? Go out to battle. That was their purpose. That was their calling. This is what you're supposed to do. So with that thought, we keep reading. That David sent Joab and his servant with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So when I look at this, he got away from the assignment. He didn't do what God called him to do. And again... If I put myself in positions that I can't handle, I get into trouble. Verse 2. Then it happened. 
Then it happened. He put himself in a position he shouldn't have. One evening, when it started getting dark, that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. This is his private life. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. If you were here last week, we read that verse. It's cross-referenced in Matthew 5, 28. And it says, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed sin in his heart. Now, when you look at what he just said, he saw. He saw. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. He saw. And when I begin to not only see, but I begin to look into something, I begin to gaze at it, guess what you'll ultimately do? You'll buy it. You'll own it. You'll pursue it. Keep reading. He saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So in verse 2 alone, it's what we read in James 1, verses 13 through 15. He literally, desire, enticement, sin, and ultimately death. Every bit of that. You guys think I'm brilliant with the sermons that I've come together. All I do is cross-reference them through the Bible. And I follow what the Word of God says, and I begin to look and say, so the same temptations that we were under, King David was under. Now think about this right here. This is King David. This is a man that the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. This is the same man that was the giant slayer, but he wasn't exempt from the very temptations that me and you are. And so when he began to look at that, Look what happens in verse 3. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? In other words, time out, king. She's got a ring on her finger. So this verse right here alone, it begins to show us when I begin to look at something and I continue to linger in on it, then I begin to pursue it. That's why cybersex in our society is so dangerous. You know why it's dangerous? Because it's done in the secret. It's done in a hidden way. And anytime we begin to do things secretly, it ought to be a red flag to us that we've already violated our conscience. Something's happening within me. If you have to sneak around anytime, what does that tell you? I'm not going to read it, but the same, the same chapter here in, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 12, it said, you did it secretly to David. So you want to get under an ambush? Anytime I have to sneak around to do anything, it's probably a good sign that something's wrong. How many of you ever snuck around and took M&Ms out of the candy jar when you weren't supposed to? Well, if it wasn't a bad thing, then why didn't you just take them? Same with pornography. If pornography such a, nothing's wrong with it, why don't we look at everybody and say, hey, check this out. Now, if you do that, you're in severe bondage. 
But for me to have to sneak around and do anything like that, so guess what? Because of the way we sneak around to do stuff, we are now creating an appetite within us to keep sneaking around. Now, I'm not going after you young ones for this, but here's a lesson in that. If you're sneaking around right now to look at things you shouldn't be, there's a good chance because you've created that, atmosphere, that appetite within you that when you get married, you're going to sneak around. Oh, oh, not me, pastor. Not me. We're talking about one of the greatest men in the history of, Bi of the Bible. Keep reading. Verse, verse 4. Then David sent messengers, and he took her, and she came to him, and they lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Crapperific. Not good. Now when you look at what happened here, this is the cost of doing wrong things. The very cost of doing wrong things. And so there's a domino effect on it. So you study King David's life. It wrecked his relationship with God. You know the only thing that separates a relationship with God is sin. So for over a year... King David had no relationship with God. Ultimately, it took God sending a prophet named Nathan to confront him, and then he turned. But if you study King David's life, the second thing, there was a man named Uriah who was Bathsheba's husband. He dies. David has him assassinated, basically. The little baby that Bathsheba's pregnant with, he dies. And then it didn't only stop there. It caused junk to his future generations. The Bible's very clear that says adversity will never leave your home and the sword will never leave your house. And it didn't. Because of this one man's act. Now just think about this. He put himself in a position he couldn't handle and then he goes out and with one little look of the eye he begins to gaze on something that he wasn't supposed to and now the chain reaction, the change effect. The domino effect. Well, Pastor, that would never happen to me. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he says, I set before you, every one of us in this room, this day, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants will live. So guess what? Your actions not only affect you, they affect the seed that follows you. Man, Pastor, that's some good stuff. Tell you, only the truth will set us free. Only the truth. So you've heard it said this before, maybe. It'll take you 20 years to build a reputation, but you can lose it in five minutes. Turn with me to Colossians 3, and this is what we'll end with. Colossians 3. Now, we're going somewhere with this. It's getting ready to get good, okay? Okay. Ooh, I'm telling you, God has elevated stuff in my life this week in a good way. Colossians 3. And we'll begin in verse 1 when you get there. Now, again, as you're turning there, 
How I act in my private life will determine the blessings or the lack of blessings in my public life. Ooh, I can stand up here and talk in Christianese. But yet God knows my heart. God knows where I'm at. So we watch here in Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Pursue them. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now watch this. Set your mind on things above. One translation says, and keep on setting them on things above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also appear him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members. Put to death your members. Deprive of power. Do you know one translation says, kill your members. Look what he says. Which are on earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So literally he's saying sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. The sins of self-indulgence. And what he said to us? He said, put them to death. Get rid of them. Ask God to help you. So now we fast forward a little bit. We go back to King David's life. And God restored him. I want to put hope in every one of us in this room today. God wants to restore you. God wants to bless you. He wants to give you hope. So in Psalm 51, King David said this, Father God, only against you have I sinned. David begins to take responsibility for his actions. He repents. He repents with a sorrowful heart. And not only does he repent, he says, Father God, wash me. And then you know what he goes on to say? This is, this is Psalm 51, verse 10 in the message. He said, Lord, Shape a Genesis week, a new beginning, in the chaos of my life. This is what his prayer was. Father God, my life is out of order. And then he said, Lord, return to me your presence. Return to me the Holy Spirit. And he said, restore me. And then one of the last things, you know what he said? He said, Lord, purify me. Purify me. So I begin to read all this. And it begins to stir up in me. And we see a lot of times in the Old Testament, some in the New, but more in the Old Testament, about anointing with oil. James 5, 6 says, anointing with oil and pray the prayer, pray the prayer of faith over them and I'll heal them. Now that word healing means physical, but it means in other areas of life. He said anointing with oil. So, I just go back and I start looking up everything I can find on the anointing oil. Anytime in the Old Testament when they would anoint with oil, it was a word that meant consecration. The word consecration is written in purification. So literally, when they anointed him with oil, it was to say, purify us. Purify us. Man, I'm studying on these lines. Man, God is moving in my life. I mean incredibly. 
I come strolling in here on Thursday, and we have an anointing oil, a little bottle that we keep in there, and the Lord says to me, I want you to begin to anoint this house with oil. Just anoint, a purifying. So I'm telling you, I begin to purify. I mean, these seats you're sitting in, I, I anointed with oil all over up here. I begin to anoint with oil on every one of these corners. I anointed this altar area. I didn't tell the praise and worship team this morning, but I came up here. I started anointing their instruments. I anointed the microphones. I put anointing oil over the doorpost. Everywhere in here, I began to anoint. I was on anointing rampage. It was awesome. It was incredible. I began to sense the power of God in here. And so I'm sitting right here. And at times I like to sit right here and just get real still before the Lord. And he said, now I want you to anoint yourself. And so I took that anointing oil took it on both sides of my, my little head right here. And I anointed my mind. I said, Lord Jesus, purify my mind today. I put it over my eyelids right here. I said, anoint my little eyes. A little dab on my tongue too. Anoint my tongue, Lord. Where I live, James 1.19, I'm swift to hear and I'm slow to speak. How many of you ever got a problem with your tongue? You think or you talk before you think. Go ahead and raise your hands. We'll pray for liars afterwards. It's okay. So I'm anointing. I'm anointing. I'm anointing. I'm anointing my hands. I'm anointing everything within me. Something happened with me on Thursday. In a good way. I tell you, I, I left and I felt clean. I felt something begin to happen. The, the things of God begin to wash me. And I would go through the rest of the week. And if there was something on TV, anything that my eyes would look at, the Lord would say, ha, 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 you're purified. I'm a channel surfer as it is. I'd move, I'd move. I'm purified, I'm purified. And so it was like the Lord was saying, because of my anointing on your life, I want you to be aware. Don't let your eyes move on things. Don't let your mind move on things. And so I came strolling in today. Tell you, I was lit up. I was lit up in a kingdom way. I, I, I got up this morning. I had the eye of the tiger. I said, everything within me, Father God, everything, those things that are shut up in my bones, let it come out. Man, I came marching in here. So I, I get in with our, our, our praise and worship team, the first service. I begin to tell them, I said, this is what's going on. This is how God's going to move today. Evan on the praise and worship team, he said, Pastor, will you anoint us right now? And I said, let's anoint so I started anointing them and anointing them, and my clock back there was broke. I think it's 12 till 9. It's 1 till 9. And they're wondering where the praise and worship is. I'm back there anointing them, the stinking clock. So you know what the Lord said all day? He said, I want you to anoint my children. Not just anoint the house, anoint the children of God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.